Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders, Keith Koo on site at the 2018 Call for Code Finals here in San Francisco, and I'm here with one of the folks who started it all, David Clark, CEO of David Clark and David Clark Cause. Welcome, David. Thank you very much. So, David, um, I've been blessed to have been part of this since it launched, but not since the very beginning, which is you. So I wanted to get a little bit into your background and, and how did this all come about? Well, uh, a short primer on my background. For about 23 years, I've been creating cause brands. Uh, we started with Muhammad Ali back in 1997, created his World Healing Project. I had the privilege of introducing Prince to Muhammad Ali. Uh, we went on to work with Nelson Mandela to create his 4664 HIV AIDS brand. Um, but the reason we're here tonight is about a year ago, I was really disturbed by all the reports of election hacking around the world mm-hmm. and, you know, these scary reports about malware. And really, for the first time, as a non-developer, I saw how powerful developers could be. But I thought, you know, the 22 million law-abiding developers, could we not create a Justice League for good and create a mechanism to get them engaged to solve social challenges with software solutions? And really, I think uh, we're in a real great state of technology and the economy and the world to be able to, what I'll say, amplify um, resources that people didn't even know they have. And I think one of the great themes about having done this, and you talked about it just a, a minute ago, is getting the developers directly involved in this. That's right. That's right. And it's really a grassroots movement. That's why, you know, we had submissions from 156 countries. It was amazing. And we had, you know, hundreds of thousands of entries. So the, the goal was to really inspire the developer and really explain how they're the change agents um, and even reposition them in society so people understand how powerful they can be. What's next? I mean, you now have this huge following. There's 100,000 over 100,000 um, visits to the website, 156 countries, and hundreds of submission. What's next in all this? It's to keep building it. You know, this platform gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and every year we will address a new global challenge and then issue the call to the 22 million developers around the world to answer the call. Right, and we see that already. Um, I'm very active in technology solutions for the UN's 17 Sustainability Development Goals. Oh, very cool. And I, I think it, what Call for Code is plugs in so well to what those initiatives are. Well, it's true. It's true. And that's why the UN was our first charitable partner. And they were really the engine that drove that cause piece. Because they understand that technology can scale and technology can move at, you know, lightning pace. So they see the value in this. And so the UN will be our ongoing partner every year. That's great. And then in addition to that, we have the Linux Foundation, we have the American Red Cross. Exactly. We've got the Linux Foundation. We've got NEA, one of the most amazing VC firms. But then we've got 80 other partners, you know, sprinkled throughout the, the mix, some of which include the International Space Station and NASA. So, you know, there's some really interesting partners that are, like, signing up to be a part of this initiative. And really a movement. We like to call it a movement. Well, that's exactly it. I think one of the other aspects that I think might get a little bit lost in this, because we think of developers and technology, 
is there's a whole social media element to this with celebrities. That's right. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Exactly. So a lot of times, celebrities, they, they support what we're doing, and they're like, listen, we would love to get the tech sector helping to solve these social challenges, but, but how do we help? So what we did is we engineered a cause flash, and so that's one of the companies that, that I own, and what we do is we aggregate the social media voice of people, which means their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram followers, and we had over 50 celebrities tweeting and posting their support of Call for Code on World Humanitarian Day, but they included Ellen DeGeneres and Robin Givens and Jared Leto and Pitbull, et cetera, et cetera. So what we like about Call for Code is it brings all these stakeholders to the table, and especially when you're talking about tech, it's nice to have that pop culture element. Um, so I think if you're listening to the show, if somebody says they have a cause, how do they get engaged? They should go to the website. They should. My email is right there, David Clark, David Clark Cause. Send me a suggestion. That's awesome. Well, David, I think it's phenomenal what you and team have done this year. I'm looking forward uh, to continuing partnering with you, the IBM Call for Code team. And uh, once again, I can't wait to see who's going to win tonight. No, it's going to be very exciting. So, yeah, we will be giving out the Nobel Prize for developers tonight. It's called the Call for Code Global Prize. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svi.biz. And now I'm joined by one of the executives who've been here since the beginning of Call for Code, and that is Angel Diaz, who is the VP of Developer Technology and Open Source. So, Angel, it's been quite a journey. It has been. May 24th, we launched Call for Code, and it's been so exciting. You know, 100,000 developers participating across 156 countries, uh, building great solutions to help us all, humanity, better prepare and recover from disasters. Uh, it's, a, it's a great moment, you know, uh, to see all the developers here celebrating uh, each other and, and frankly, uh, looking forward to see who the winner is when we announce it. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, seeing these solutions go into production to actually save lives. Yeah, and I think uh, hats off to you and the IBM team. Uh, I feel blessed to have been part of the journey from the beginning. Mm. And also just a plug for the city that actually one of our teams is also one of the finalists. That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right on. I mean, it's, it's been such a fun journey, you know, with the, starting off with the United Nations Human Rights, uh, the Linux Foundation, the Red Cross, uh, NEA. Uh, and then now, you know, with, with your help and the help of everybody, we, we have literally over 80 supporters and sponsors, affiliates, universities, big companies behind this, a uh, great ecosystem of, of content partners. And, and wow, I mean, even seeing some of the celebrities get behind this and uh, put their support for Call for Code has been humbling and, and frankly, really important because it's really about awareness, right? You know, we found that, you know, once a computer scientist, a software engineer, and, you know, and a computer scientist artist hears about this, they just want to be a part of it and getting the word out is so important. And, and I agree with that. I think that's where we see the United Nations and their sustainability goals. This just fits right into what they've already been doing on their end. I think that the global initiative you speak of, you now see, and we won't name your competition, but they're doing similar activities, which is all for the good, right? So even though IBM with the Spark, Call for Code is an organization with the Linux Foundation, NEA, and American Red Cross, it is starting a global movement. Yeah, I mean, it is so important for everybody, uh, all technology, uh, all technologists to work, you know, with their peers, uh, not just technologists, but domain experts, right? And think about all of the issues that uh, we're facing. You mentioned the uh, sustainability goals. So there's so many issues, so many opportunities, so much opportunity for technology to do good. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, our time has come, you know, with a huge... Uh, power as a computer scientist comes incredible responsibility, and, and I think uh, I think uh, everybody's answering the call, so that's great. Right, and as Willie Tejada, SVP of Developer Advocacy at IBM, likes to say, that this is just amplifying the call for code, 
and that you're really making the developers the hero. That's right. Absolutely. So then, now that we're finishing up 2018, what's in store for 2019? Yeah, well, you know, when we, uh, when we launched this, our CEO actually launched it at, uh, at a big conference in, in Paris, um, we said we'd be, we were in this for at least five years, right? And we committed uh, quite a bit of, uh, of, uh, of money and resources to this along, along as a partner. So next year is going to bring another year, and I expect it to be bigger, better, more, and, and it's really be about scale. Um, if you think about it, you know, we had uh, great submissions across the entire world. We're putting these into production to actually change people's lives, which I think is hugely important. You know, a solution that we create to help, let's say, Fremont or to help Puerto Rico or the city of Bayamon or something, right? That solution can be put into so many different places, too. So I think next year you're going to see the notion of scale and, and broader applicability really kind of fit into this. That's great. And what I really want to do since you are from Puerto Rico, and it was just so timely. I want you to talk a little bit personally about what it was like, uh, given the circumstances. You know, it's really hard to, to put into words. You know, I, uh, I grew up in Puerto Rico, so I've been through hurricanes, uh, none of which has been bad as the latest, la- latest one. But my parents are still there, um, you know, even as of uh, today. You know, power was off this morning, so it comes and goes. Just imagine living in a world where you have no connectivity, no power. You basically wake up when the sun comes up and you go to sleep when the sun comes down. Right? We haven't done that as a society in a long time. Yeah. Right? We're pretty much a 24-hour-based society. Right? And uh, so it is, it is extremely disheartening, uh, dangerous, scary. Uh, you know, look, the, the Puerto Rico's come a long way since then. Uh, but I can tell you, software uh, could have made more of a difference. And, uh, and the hope is that uh, it will in the future. Well, Angel, thanks again for you and the team for starting off this global initiative that's just amplifying like crazy. Other companies, large companies, are doing similar initiatives, and it's just all for the greater good. So once again, uh, Keith Q, Silicon Valley Insider on site at the Call for Code 2018 finals, joined by Angel Diaz, VP of Developer Technology and Open Source at IBM. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svi.biz, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. And today's show has been a wrap of the 2018 Call for Code Finals. If you're a regular listener, we've been talking about this global initiative to use technology to solve for natural disasters and disaster relief, and it was co-sponsored by David Clark Cause, IBM, NEA, the venture capital firm, the United Nations Human Rights Commission, as well as the American Red Cross. So in studio with me is Mayor Lily May of Fremont, California, as well as one of the top three winning teams, Lolly Wildfire Detection from School 42 the Coding Academy, also located in Fremont, California. Welcome all. Hi, Keith. It's wonderful to be back again. So since we have Mayor May in studio with us, the question of the week is, with all this talk of how to respond after natural disaster and disaster recovery, how are communities looking to adopt technology, Lily? So one of the ways that a community can work with designing solutions is private partnerships. So public, like private partnerships with organizations like Silicon Valley 42, where we were able to work with them as well as IBM and our fire department to talk about what types of solutions are available to give them a real life scenario of things that we're trying to address 
And we were very proud in Fremont to be hosting the first hackathon in North America to discuss this event. Yeah, it was quite an event. And the reason why I think it's important is that this was an event planned in two and a half weeks. Yes. And I think that really what was great with the city of Fremont and 42 Silicon Valley, as well as Silicon Valley Insider and IBM, is that IBM initially, as founders of Call for Code, uh, had sponsored a global hackathon, but it was meant to be entirely virtual. And with that, I think it really needed some hand-holding at first just to get people excited in terms of how to touch the technology, adopt the technology. And so once we started doing these on-site hackathons, which could be done very quickly, and in fact, just two weeks later, San Jose State in our local area also held their hackathon, which um, I was pleased to be a part of. And then I think at the final uh, tally, after another two months, I think in total there were 50 global events that happened, which were all pop-up events. And so as we plan for Call for Code 2019, I think Mayor May will agree, we want to encourage communities all over the United States and around the world to get involved. These aren't expensive events, but they do generate lots of output. And I think I'll bring up, Mayor, thank you for helping with the question. I think I'll bring this up as well. Last week, I had Jenny Dearborn, who's the Executive Vice President of HR and Talent Learning and Leadership for a global software company, SAP, one of the top 50 women in tech. And she was bringing up how there's a huge tech shortage, uh, worker shortage in Silicon Valley and in the rest of the world, and how she is personally advocating bringing back apprenticeship programs. And we also brought up how 42 Silicon Valley is another alternative program to the traditional four-year degree and how this is really important that um, all of the three top finalists, um, not the entire team didn't have traditional college educations, and yet they were the finalists. Uh, the top team, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, um, won $200,000, and they were a completely virtual team. I mean, they didn't even meet each other. Uh, till the night before the final of the competition. So, Mayor, um, how are, what are some of the ways that Fremont is going to take some of the learnings from these events? Well, I think when it comes to developing these events, what we've learned is that, um, much like the other cities, it's a lot of times it's, it's trying to explain to the teams how these decisions and um, designs can help us address real-world solutions. I hope that was helpful. One of the things that the day of the event that we were really pleased is that we had our fire department come and share. And so it's rather than just talking about a case scenario to really understand this past year's California has faced some of the worst firefighting situations. And we had um, members of our team proudly representing and serving in those situations. And so for them to relay the real life implications and what is needed that allows the designers then, in this case for the hackathons, to be better design and um, address those concerns. And it was something that I think that from what I've heard from the teams, it's been a very mutually beneficial. They can understand what they're building the applications for, and then they can also be part of the solution that could be implemented for the cities moving forward. Thank you, Mayor May, for being here today. And that's a perfect segue talking about uh, Chief Curtis Jacobson, Fire Department of Fremont, California, that the actual finalist for 42 Silicon Valley was Lolly Wildfire Detection. And joining me in studio is two members of the team, Nassim Batash and Kevin Kando. And Nassim is from France and Kevin is from Ecuador. 
So once again, School 42 or 42 Silicon Valley is a free coding school. And many of the students, uh, I think 20 or 25% of the students are foreign students. And this is the ability to get a free coding education to get a job anywhere. That's LinkedIn, Google, or Microsoft. So this team is one of the three top finalists. And I wanted to go over what the solution is. So welcome. Thank you very much for having us here. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about what is Lally Welfare Detection. Uh, basically, what we have created is a system that is a wireless sensor network, which works over Sigfox uh, connectivity and has a, a temperature grid that is measured through low-power device. Okay, so that is a low-power device that connects the SIGFOX network, which keeps the cost low in order to keep connectivity uh, during and after a wildfire. Yes. Great. And um, what are the expected results out of that? Uh, the expected result out of it actually are... Um, um, so based on, our, based on our experimentation, that's really easy to deploy and to create actually and the most important part of this is to test it on the field uh, here in Fremont and everywhere in California we have big field of test and opportunity to save a house of people yes and so and we so and actually we are looking for funding to deploy this wireless sensor network and to have a real test to implement after um, machine learning for Predictivity. Right. And that was the really important piece. The reason why um, the call for code judges, including former President Clinton, decided that yours was a really good solution. So much so that I know, Nassim, as you return to France, that you're going to be meeting many of the French executives at IBM. Yes, exactly. Actually, we have a really nice opportunity to have a support from IBM France and also to, to, from Sigfox, who are in France, to help us to make our research and development to come back here in Fremont to, to test our solution. Right, and that's actually uh, very important that of all the top finalists that I know of, each of you, even beyond the Call for Code contest, will plan to turn the solution into an actual uh, shall we say, a product that first responders can actually use and adopt. Exactly, yes, because I think the call for code is not only to a, a simple hackathon. It's we put a lot of wish behind it, and we want to help the community, actually. And doesn't matter if we finish first or last. Like, we have an idea, and we think it works, and we want to make, make it real and make it happen. Well, that's great. And so when you return to France, and you'll still be co-developing it, both with 42 Paris and 42 Silicon Valley, and with uh, companies such as IBM and Sigfox, that you will then seek um, to have this adopted by first responders and are looking for investment partners to help you seed. Exactly, yes. That's what we want. Okay. Well, again, congratulations to Lolly Wildfire Detection and School 42. Um, I wish you all the best. And again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. If you have any questions or comments about Lolly Wildfire Detection, how to invest in their company or in School 42 to get a free software coding instruction, 
Email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back to talk to the winners of the 2018 Call for Code. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. And today's show has been devoted to the finals of Call for Code 2018. I'm joined by the recently announced winners, Project L. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So what I wanted to do is first have you introduce yourselves and then let's talk about your project. I am uh, Nick Foyer. I am a software engineer. Uh, I'm Agus Pereira. I'm a software hardware engineer. My name is Tarakor, and I am a um, machine learner and a data analytics. That's great. So how did you all decide to get involved with the Call for Code? Uh, we were really inspired by the whole momentum. and uh, Especially uh, the Hurricane Maria in uh, Puerto Rico, where uh, after the hurricane it was completely dark. And it was not dark for just a couple days. This went on for weeks and months. We're on the news every single day. It was, we don't know what's going on in Puerto Rico. People don't know what's going on with their families, and we really saw an opportunity where we could make a difference in the disaster relief uh, effort. So let's go through then. Um, what is your concept? So we have a software slash uh, hardware hybrid, and we basically want to create a device or uh, called Docs that are basically embedded with Wi-Fi and LoRa technology. And basically the idea is when civilians are struggling to connect to the internet or and having trouble connecting to responders or even their loved ones, our devices can create a temporary internet, giving them access to a little web uh, interface to contact responders and uh, let them know that you know they're in immediate danger or if they need water, first aid, etc. And we do this through a really intuitive interface, and we want to make sure that the civilians are, are allowed to get all the essential needs across to uh, uh, this, uh, responders. Yeah, so uh, the second part of our project is also uh, a software application called OWL. And this is what uh, a tool that is used by first responders to kind of get, uh, well, to get a an overview of the situation. They are able to see uh, where uh, the food is being distributed, where civilians are. Uh, all the data that we get from the ClusterDuck network uh, is feeds into uh, the OWL platform. And we also want to open this up uh, to. Uh, Civilians, where they can also learn what's going on in, during a disaster situation. They can see what's going on maybe in an area where their loved one is uh, and learn more and also even be able to see what happened in past disasters and so where we can maybe learn in the future how we can we do things better. So a uh, question for you because that all sounds really great. Did you actually participate in the hackathon or you went straight to the virtual hackathon? Were you on an on-site location? It was all virtual and remotely, and in fact, the four of us uh, met for the first time yesterday, because uh, uh, we've been just in different geographies, like the Carolinas, New York, New Jersey, Texas, so we were fortunate enough uh, to meet for the first time yesterday, you know, uh, grab dinner, and uh, we 
uh, I don't know. That, that's an amazing story. I mean, I think that really speaks to the power of, you know, that whole Internet age, right? But, exactly. I mean, that that is going to be very compelling that um, a group of folks who've never met in person can actually collaborate on a solution that wins a $200,000 grand prize yeah. and an opportunity to pitch to NEA, one of the most significant VCs in the world. So I, I, my hat's off to you. So in terms of time, from the time you met till yesterday, how long has that been? Three, three months. months. Three, yep. four months. Three yeah. months, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think... Three yeah. months that we've been working uh, late nights and... Uh, over Google Hangouts yeah. and uh, <laughs> too much coffee. Uh, too much coffee. Uh, over Slack, we're always messaging each other about uh, what we're doing, and also even I mean, we, over this whole journey, we even we really became friends, uh, mm-hmm. where we're constantly in contact with each other. We you know send send funny images and stuff like that. Some some unrelated things, but you know we're really bonded over this and uh, over this whole journey to where we are now over the past three months and. Uh, we, you know, we were talking before uh, before we got here. Um, you know, where do we go next? And uh, regardless if we won first place, we wanted to take this to the next level because we uh, all uh, are committed to this, and we really believe in Project Owl can save lives. And uh, so, regardless of what what happened today, we. Uh, we wanted to take this and actually make it real. That's great. So then, what stage of development are you at? Are you at prototype, or are you at? We are definitely at the prototype stage. Uh, our next steps definitely include uh, field testing, uh, all our hardware solutions, and uh, I actually was in the Carolinas uh, when uh, Hurricane Florence passed by us, and I was one a week basically late from uh, deploying uh, what could potentially have been our hardware solution. Uh, that was, un- I, sh- I don't want to sound cynical, but it was a missed opportunity to test our hardware, uh, even though it was an unfortunate uh, event. But uh, we definitely are ready right now to uh, potentially pilot our hardware and solu- uh, software solution out- outside. Well, that's great. So, once again, uh, Project Al, congratulations again for winning the Global 2018 Call for Code Finals. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we look forward to hearing what the next steps are. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, we just heard from Nick Terracor-Megas of Team Project Al, who have won the 2018 Call for Code. And now we're catching up with Brian Knaus and Charlie Evans. Hi, Brian. Hi, Charlie. Hey. How's it going? Good. And, you know, at the event in San Francisco... Brian was actually on site, but doing another interview or something. So it's great to have both Brian and Charlie now able to give their perspective on winning the inaugural Call for Code and the $200,000 grand prize. We talked about the project. It's great that you have both a hardware and software component to Project Al. But I think what was really interesting speaking to the guys earlier, you had not even met face-to-face until the night before the finals announcement. So how was it that a completely virtual team, folks from New York, Houston, and North Carolina, can all get together to win this event? Yeah, I think we were all really excited to finally get to work together in person. Um, we, this team has come together through various relationships. Some of us did sort of know each other from previous experiences, especially the New York City crew. A couple of us have done other software competitions together in the past. Um, 
But through various other opportunities, you know, the call for code Slack, we were able to integrate with a lot of people competing in this initiative. Um, and pretty quickly, our team connected with Magus Pereira, and we found there were a lot of commonalities in our skill sets, um, in addition to uh, some skills that offset each other nicely. So uh, we thought we really wanted to work on a project. And digging a little deeper, you know, Magus had a great idea for our hardware, and it fits snugly with our software solution. And we thought we could do something really special coming together there. Um, so yeah, so pretty pretty much from the beginning, we were uh, we were we were all set to go. So one of you had mentioned it was almost like being a puzzle piece coming together. Yeah, um, it certainly felt that way, and I guess you could consider us kind of lucky in that respect. Um, I, I suppose it doesn't always turn out the way you want it to, but I really feel like, and, and Charlie, maybe you have a, an opinion here too, that the skill sets, the personalities, um, the needs and the interests of the team were pretty much aligned from the get-go. So it just felt like the machine was meant to work together from, from pretty much the moment we, we started our project. Yeah, I can, uh, I can pretty much reiterate that exact point. You know, people have asked me, you know, how, how do you know these guys? We, you know, it just, we came together and, and we, we fit so well. We, we all have a, a slightly different skill set that we bring to the table and they all just happen to fit together perfectly. That's great. So now that we've had all of your individual perspectives and it's been announced, what are the next steps? What have you been working on with the whole Call for Code organization and what that, what's that um, aspect been like? Yeah, so we're really excited to execute on the mission we have set out on from the very start. And regardless of what happens in the finals at Call for Code, it wasn't going to change what we intended to do after the event. Um, certainly having some success there allows us to do it a bit faster and more effectively. Um, but we were really excited to come back home, um, reconnect with our, our relationships at the NYPD and the FD. And why, as well as government, first responder officials, um, people in the military, um, and continue to take what is now a manufactured prototype and usable cloud software, test it with these teams, and continue to iterate so that hopefully soon we can actually deploy this. And if we're able to save one life, then it's all been worth it. Yeah, that's excellent. That was exactly why Call for Code this year focused on natural disasters and disaster recovery. It's exactly to do what you guys are doing. Uh, one thing that would be interesting, so what I think I heard you say is that regardless of Call for Code itself, you were going to pursue this dream, this idea into um, an actual company and scale it. That's your intention, correct? Yeah, we hope so. There's a lot of work to be done before that becomes a reality. Certainly, this was a great, uh, I would say, not our first step, but a great step along the way to being able to do that. Um, I think the technology we have is amazing. We've got a team that's very committed to the cause and certainly a lot of people outside of our group as well who are very interested in seeing this idea progress. So that that's where we want to end up um, and we're going to continue working hard to make that a reality. That's excellent. Now that you've won, I mean, you're almost like rock stars in the technology space because I see you on Twitter and I see all the um, accolades. Uh, Nick was featured locally on a, a, a local news here with Willie Tejada of IBM. What kinds of people have been reaching out to you guys? Um, I think Charlie 
any interesting people reach out to you? So, you know, um, uh, the company I work for works works in the drilling services space. So, you know, of course, uh, my direct team members and things like that, I've I, I've been communicating kind of along the way as we progress from, you know, top ten to top five and top three and et cetera. And um, it's been making the rounds at my company. I actually found out today that the uh, that the CEO was told about about this and provided um, you know a couple of the links that have been floating around, like the articles from like Fast Company and that sort of thing. And and so mostly it's been coworkers and and everyone has been interested in, okay, what is your solution? Tell us more about it. You know, I've been getting kind of, um, you know, third party feedback in that respect as well. So for me, it's a lot of coworkers, a lot of friends on Facebook, that sort of thing. Okay. Well, I really love the idea. I really think that the five of you coming together to be the actual winners in a totally virtual setting in a virtual environment um, is phenomenal. So congratulations to the team again, and thanks for being on the show, and I look forward to what your next steps are. Thank you. If you have any Thank questions you. or comments about Project Al, you can email us at info at svn.biz, and always can go to Call for Code's website, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. And today's show has been devoted to the finals of Call for Code 2018. And if you're just tuning in, you need to go download the podcast when it's available at svin.biz. And why I say that is the show was packed full of a lot of folks involved in this global initiative. We had David Clark, CEO of David Clark Cause, who was the lead in forming Call for Code. We had Angel Diaz, the VP of Open Source and Technology at IBM, was one of the founding members. We also had Lolly Wildfire Detection, which was one of the top three finalists. We had Project Al, who was the actual winner. And now we have the third of the top three finalists, which is PD3R, which stands for Post-Disaster Rapid Response Retrofit. And one of the team leads, Shriyasha Puddle. Hi, Shriyasha. Hi, Keith. So this has been a really exciting event, and I can't wait to talk about your project because it just happens to be so interesting. So if you could, I know it was a global team because this was a global hackathon. If you could introduce the team members, some who couldn't be with us, as well as what the project is all about, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, hi, everyone. I am Shriyasha. I am a research engineer here in the Valley working with AI and computer vision. Our team is very global. Uh, we had three teammates from Nepal where the project is based on uh, Lakshana, Nirmal, and Shitiz, who unfortunately couldn't make it. And we have one more teammate, Nicolas, who is from Colombia and is currently there as well. Um, Going back to the project, the idea behind the project came from our sponsoring organization, Build Chains. Build Chains is a nonprofit which works in retrofitting buildings after disasters, and the idea behind it is partially damaged buildings can actually be retrofitted and made whole so that people can move into their homes faster instead of completely rebuilding them. 
Belchin started working in Nepal after the earthquake in April 2015, and my teammates Lakshana, Nirmal, Nicholas have been working with Belchin's for about a year in Nepal. Uh, what our project aims to do is solve some of the problems that Belchin's faces which is how to determine a building can actually be retrofitted. And PD3R is a way of using machine learning and AI and the modern techniques to basically make the retrofitting process more efficient and remove some of the hand manual work that engineers do with AI techniques. That does sound very interesting. I mean, I know it was a lot of buzz when we were talking about it at the finals and leading up to it. And uh, just to recall that this, the, the panel of judges included former President Clinton, and so this was very significant. Um, can you go into a little bit more about the technology? You mentioned artificial intelligence and machine learning. How does that actually help get that accomplished on the retrofit? Yeah, so this is going to be a lot of information packed into a couple of sentences. I don't know if I can do justice, but the way retrofitting works is when disasters first strike, you go and visit all the damaged buildings, look at the dimensions of the building, the cracks, the structural integrity before and after the disaster, and then uh, civil engineers make a call based on their knowledge, their measurements, on whether the building can be retrofitted. What we are trying to do is come up with a machine learning trained classifier, which can do some of that measurement and classification work for the engineers aspect of this project is we are also trying to do it with simulated software images so that we can actually get our proper measurements from software simulations to train it and then it can be deployed in real houses immediately after a disaster strikes. Yeah, if I can use an analogy, it's, it's almost exactly like triage for people when they're at a disaster and you have to determine how quickly they can recover physically it sounds very similar to that process, but now we're doing it for buildings. Yes, and we're using software so that we can be prepared before the disaster strikes. And then once we have this model trained and ready to be deployed already, and then we can just go and deploy it whenever some unfortunate events happen. So what's next for your team now that you were a finalist and were recognized? What in just the last minute, what's next for you with regards to Call for Code and beyond? Oh, this is exciting. We think like winning, being in the finalist for Call for Code has been a dream come true. It's a validation of everything we've been working for. And what we've built and submitted is just a prototype. We need to collect more data, it, like refine the algorithm, make it more user interface, more user friendly, and then actually deploy it in the field. So we have a lot of work plan and winning and the support from IBM is definitely going to let us do it. Well, Shriyasha, it was great speaking to you and learning more about PD3R. Congratulations again to you and your global team in Nepal and Colombia for being a top three finalist, and I look forward to hearing more. So again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, and we're wrapping the Call for Code 2018, and stay tuned for Call for Code 2019. Any questions or comments, email us at svin.biz. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. 
For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN. 